This message comes from NPR sponsor Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target cancer-causing proteins and destroy them right inside the cell. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. Nearly $40 billion of new U.S. aid for Ukraine is making its way through Congress with little debate as Ukraine launches a counteroffensive against the Russian invasion. Isabel Kushurdian is a foreign correspondent for our editorial partners at The Washington Post. She's soon to be chief of the bureau that The Post announced today they'll be opening in Ukraine. She joins us from Kharkiv. So, Isabel, congratulations and thanks for being there. Yeah, thank you. Well, and we're going to talk more about the Bureau and what you hope it provides you. But first, to the things you'll be covering, um, Russian forces continue to bombard that steel plant in Mariupol. Uh, The mayor of that city says more than 100 civilians are trapped there. We also know we're hearing from the wives of soldiers who are trapped there. Uh, The wives saying that, you know, they're eating moldy bread. They're hoping to negotiate some sort of exit. Maybe they pledge not to fight again. But What are you hearing about the possibility of evacuating, you know, civilians and possibly soldiers? Yeah, it's pretty grim right now. You know, there have been some evacuations. We're seeing, you know, some images come out of the steel plant of the soldiers who are there, you know, soldiers who are wounded, who've had limbs amputated. And even amid all of that, the Russian forces who are in Mariupol and have, you know, basically control of that city outside of the steel plant continue to kind of hit the plant. I don't see them kind of negotiating for any release. I think they're just going to try and, you know, wait this out because they know that the fighters who are trapped in there are kind of in dire straits. Well, we know Ukrainian soldiers have launched a counteroffensive against Russia. To the north of Kharkiv, where you are, Russian forces are now controlling a large swath of eastern and southern Ukraine. Um, And this is the hoped-for land bridge that Russia has hoped to get in this eight-year war in this area, to get this land bridge from Russia to Crimea, which Putin seized in 2014. Are Ukrainian forces pushing them back at all? In the south, not really. But in the north, this Kharkiv counteroffensive, the fact that they have been able to take back some territory... Um, It's given, you know, first of all, relief to people in Kharkiv, and you see a lot more people out in the streets and some even restaurants starting to reopen. You know, it's kind of stalled the rest of their operation, as they would call it, uh, in the Donbass, because they've had to divert more forces towards Kharkiv because they don't want to lose too much more ground here. You know, they are now going to be able to create some sort of logistical chain from Crimea through, you know, this land bridge and kind of bring more logistical support across it. And that Mm -hmm. will then support their operation in the east. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that was really kind of the whole point and why they focused so much attention on Mariupol from the beginning. Right. Well, and by the way, we're hearing it sounds like a lot of traffic where you are in Kharkiv. Are are these civilians driving? Are these, you know, military? Who's driving around? Uh, these are civilians. Yeah, yeah, I'm standing outside a pizza place that's open. I just had a brick oven pepperoni. Uh, um, in the middle of so, war. Yeah. You know, it is a, it, it is life coming back to, you know, normal slowly but surely here because you hear so much less shelling. And it's a weird scene because if you walk around downtown, most businesses don't have windows or they're boarded up. Um, or you just see, you know, a building that got a direct hit and is completely destroyed. 
but people are kind of starting to feel, you know, slowly but surely a little bit safer because the Russian forces have been pushed back quite a bit from yeah. the city itself. But then in the city of Mariupol, we're hearing that by the end of the year, more than 10,000 people may die from the diseases that are coming from not having water, you know, having been so bombarded. Intolerable conditions in that city, officials are saying. Um, and this comes as the World Health Organization says 40% of Ukrainian families have at least one member in need of chronic treatment that they can't find. In places, it sounds like it's getting desperate. It is. It is. Uh, you know, I've heard something similar from Kherson, which has been occupied also in southern Ukraine. It's been occupied since the first days of the war. And, you know, things like insulin treatments and you know, just being able to get medicine. Um, even in places that aren't in dire straits, it's kind of hard to go into a pharmacy and get the things you need because the supply chain has just been disrupted so much. So, I mean, volunteer medics that I've spoken to have offered to go into these occupied areas and bring, you know, medicines for Ukrainians. And, um, you know, the Russians have just turned them away at those military checkpoints and have said no. You know, that's a toll of the war we haven't really wrapped our mind around yet. The people who will die from kind of the humanitarian crisis this creates, you yeah. know, no water, no food, no medicine. I mean, I don't think we've even started to kind of understand how many people that's going to be. So, as we mentioned, the Washington Post is opening a bureau in the midst of all of this, and you're going to be bureau chief. We know you've been reporting since January in Ukraine. You've got family in country. Just briefly, your thoughts on having this formal relationship. Yeah, I think it's a really important step for us as a news organization because it shows our long-term commitment to the story that this isn't, you know, just us covering the war. It's going to be us covering the aftermath. And, you know, it's important to the world. And I think it's really important that we tell these stories to the world. Yeah. Well, best of luck to you and your colleagues there. Isabel Kershudian, foreign correspondent, now bureau chief for The Washington Post. Isabel, thank you. Thank you. This message comes from NPR sponsor Charles Schwab with its original podcast on investing. Each week, you'll get thoughtful, in-depth analysis of both the stock and the bond markets. Listen today and subscribe at schwab.com slash on investing or wherever you get your podcasts. This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com NPR. When voters talk during an election season, we listen. We ask questions, we follow up, and we bring you along to hear what we learned. Get closer to the issues, the people, and your vote at the NPR Elections Hub. Visit npr.org slash elections.